0: From Commons Church and the Commons Podcast Network, this is Between Sundays, a conversation about finding the sacred in the everyday. I'm your host, Bobby Sockold. I was recently asked the question. What would make you feel most proud of yourself? There's nothing quite like a good question to push, challenge, and encourage. It's like a good question can cheer you on to think more deeply and reflect more carefully to go past what is comfortable. The answer to the question, what makes me feel most proud of myself, has everything to do with the times in my life when I know, like I know deep down that a certain path is the path for me. Deep knowing in my life happened in my relationships. It happened in my vocation and education choices. Deep knowing happened when I made big moves across open spaces all by myself. The feeling of deep knowing has led me in remarkable ways. Today, I'm talking with Christy DeSantos-Wing. Christy is a writer and an actor. And in our conversation, Christy talks about a moment when a question cheered her on. Her husband asked her, what do you really want to do? And Christy says it's like she was dying to be asked the question. And her future opened up for her when she blurted out an honest answer. And so she decided to intentionally pursue a creative life. What's so interesting about this conversation is that we talk about the times when something you put your heart and soul into doesn't go the way you want. And you need that deep knowing to carry you through, to lean in and learn, to build resiliency and allow vulnerability to bring you closer to others, not drive you further from them. Christy and I talk about the power of a story to change your life, the sacred space in theater, and really practical things that you can do to get more out of our city's creative spaces. Now, heads up, there is a little audio issue in this episode. We worked it out, but only after the chat. We're so sorry about that, but we think it's still worth all of your time. Also, there's some minor swear words coming up by me, not our guest. All right, let's get into it. Welcome to Between Sundays. Welcome to The Conversation. So let's, uh, let's kind of zoom out a little bit, yeah. and I'm just going to say, uh, I'm going to ask you, Christy DeSanto-Swing, yeah. uh, if you were to introduce yourself to the people listening, uh, how do you introduce
1: yourself? <laughs> it's so funny, because that question, it's one that I've had to unpack for many years, but I am a, an actor and a writer, uh, and it took me sweet long time to finally get here, oh. so... Um, yeah, that is now what, what I would introduce myself as.
0: Do you want to talk about some of that that oh, process totally. now, or should we like?
1: Oh, yes, it's totally yeah. fine. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you called it uh, something, you used the word discovery, mm-hmm. I think, like the the process of discovery. Was that some of your
1: language? I totally agree, and I think that's, I was hoping in this conversation today, like my, my grandest hope is for those people who are like, secretly creators and creative and they like want to do it but like the fear is there of well how do I do that uh how do I identify as that um as someone who like from a very young age like when I was seven I took my first acting class and I was like this is what I love this is what I want to do but I was always scared uh and because how do you do that thing Plus, I was good at other things, which were made logically more sense. I was good at academics. Um, so I hid, not hid that part, but I would always put it on the side. It's a hobby. Or I'd do like a shadow career. Like I was going to go into education so I could teach the arts rather than do the arts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so it took a while to, after like even working in a very business-orientated career and then also like I'll run a uh, part of an independent theater company and I'll can produce that way to actually come to the point of like no I want to be on the creative side I want to be those opportunities to act I want to take them those opportunities to write interesting stories I want to be there uh, so it was it took me into my late 20s to finally figure it out have the support system to do that and then also quite frankly to have the courage to do it mm. as well so
0: so can you, like, can you take us to that moment? Like, was there a moment where you were like, okay, this, it's time where I am an actor writer?
1: <laughs> I always think it's interesting because it's kind of like at the, usually it's the end of something where something new comes out of it. Uh-huh. Uh, and I was at this point where I was like, kind of done with working just purely in the business scene um, with companies. It's just like, it wasn't feeding me or filling the well uh and I was on the sidelines kept taking acting classes I had an agent I was working with uh and this is the beautiful thing of Michael um my husband he is so so supportive because I was like wanting to do these these different things and always on the side do the acting or like maybe I like do my MFA, or I'll get my education degree, and I can teach it. And um, at the end of the day, he was like, "What do you want to do?" Hmm. And uh, he asked. Isn't that, that question, question <laughs> terrifying? <laughs> Sometimes you uh, just like, uh, "What do I want to do?" Yeah, but
0: uh, you were in a safe place. The person who loves you the most is asking you the question, But mm-hmm. in some ways, you're also just like dying to be asked. Yes.
1: Yeah. It's like I just want to create stories and act of them. Uh, and he was like then do that <laughs> and I was like oh so obviously true but I needed someone like to like say that uh-huh. to me and I was like it's not like I couldn't figure it out like I've, I did it before with independent producing I mm-hmm. could do it but it was just like giving yourself the permission mm-hmm. to do that uh, and then that's when the switch came and then so like it was like a, a I'd say in the last two and a half years it's really kind of switched over to that identity. Uh, And then Alicia, someone who's part of the Commons community as well, she was like, you need to read The Artist's Way, uh, which is this beautiful book by Julia Cameron. Uh, And I was like, oh, okay, I'll put it on my my to-do list. She just goes and she buys me the book. She's like, you need to do this. I was like, okay, okay. And I started it and I went in hard because at that point I had quit my job and I was like, I had the space to do it. And then it's kind of like a reclaiming of the identity as uh, a creator. And I went into that, and it made a huge difference. Uh, and I recommend that book to everyone. Huh. I even have it here. Just like, all oh, I know about it. it is
0: like the morning pages. That's it's, all
1: I know. So tell, me a little, tell us a little bit more. That book is incredible. Um, and I, I think it got me at the right time in my life. Uh, and it was given to me. And uh, essentially, it's like a 12-week program. Some people extend it longer because it's quite intensive what she asks you yeah. to do. But essentially she goes through the whole psychology of becoming a creator again and reclaiming that identity and going through all the issues that you had with having to give that up All the rest of the world, you know, um, not always being on the side of when you're like a new artist trying to do mm. things and being kind and showing kindness that you show to other people you don't always show to yourself as an artist. So... She goes through that whole process. Um, I always read, love reading books, uh, particularly, I don't know what to say self help, but ones which are more like um, ideas on how to live your life. Mm-hmm. Another one that I uh, quite love, and which has come after that book, is Essentialism. And that is like, what do you say no to? So after you've started this creative process, ah. what are the things that you say no to uh, in your life so you have an intention life? Okay. Uh, so those have been big books, like, in my life, and I keep them with me um, and refer to them pretty regularly.
0: Uh, yeah, it's that's really neat to think about, like the presence of people, and kind of the voices of others uh companioning you Mm -hmm. like like midwives (laughs) into the creative or something like so that this this new I like the language of reclamation though Mm -hmm. that something could be reclaimed uh that it it was there all along and needed permission Mm -hmm. use the word courage you needed some courage uh to step into those new things so cool we already have a couple book recommendations (laughs) which is great
1: where did you grow up oh uh, i'm originally from south africa yeah. i should always like preface that because people when <laughs> i say i'm from bc people are like i don't know where you are from in bc with that like- accent. <laughs> <laughs> so originally from south africa uh, we immigrated when i was 13 to um bc and i lived through the whole lower mainland through like the cusp in vancouver uh and then five years ago I wrapped up a contract, wrapped up another degree, nothing to tie me down. My brother had moved here and he was like, come to Calgary, land of opportunity. (laughs) And I was like, sure, why not? Let's do the thing. And um, I did. And I honestly, I fell in love with the city and uh, the people. And so it's home here. Yeah.
0: Yeah, It's interesting that you made such a big move at that age. Like yeah. 12, 13, did you say?
1: Yeah, was, yeah, thirteen. 13? Just turned fourteen. I remember okay. my birthday, like one week into Canada, being like, "Wow, okay, this is this is my new life." And oh. it came like from summer into winter, like. Ooh. And the lower mainland usually doesn't have a lot of snow, but mm-hmm. we came during this crazy snowstorm, yeah. and I was like, "What have I walked into?" I yeah. literally thought the idea I walked into hell with snow. Like <laughs> I just was like, hell everything was frozen over. <laughs> <laughs> and it was yeah, it was a lot of. A lot of learning that came through that time. But our family came quite close during that time as well. okay.
0: Yeah. So when you look back on that move, that massive transition, do you look at it, like, quite fondly? Or do you look at it as being, like, rather
1: shocking and hard? Yeah. The image that I have is, like, you just take this tree that was growing in one area, and you just, like, uproot it. And then you stick it somewhere yeah. else and it's like take a root and grow because like that's the only option. Huh. Uh, so like I some immigration stories they are super positive. And I fully acknowledge my own privilege with my parents who are professionals and coming from an English speaking country. Like those are things that would make it easier on the outside and being able to slot in pretty comfortably from one commonwealth country to another Mm -hmm. but it's still hard Mm -hmm. um you kind of like who am I what is my identity especially from a country that used to have a high nationalist vibe to Mm -hmm. it and the way that people see themselves Mm -hmm. and to I can't just slot into a Canadian identity Mm -hmm. immediately so yeah it was definitely not like super easy I think any immigrant will tell you it's like five to seven years until you're like okay Mm -hmm. I feel more comfortable here yeah Uh, and yeah, definitely knowing that other people have way more difficult stories coming yeah. in from other countries.
0: Right, right, right. Yeah, I can't, uh, it's interesting because I think about different things that happen in those years in my life and the way that they like kind of like impact and sort of like yeah radically shape a part of. Me, it's interesting to think about like such a big move. It was lovely to hear about a family that was like, okay, we're sticking together. Like, (laughs) we're gonna, we're in this together. You have a brother, you said older brother. So it was your brother, mom, and dad, and you. Yeah. Wow. And so, did you go to public school? Did you jump right in? What was your. Oh,
1: that was great. Uh, <laughs> so my dad's an educator, so he started teaching at a, a private Christian school, and I went there. Um, and I didn't love it, to
0: mm. be
1: honest. Um, so a year and a half later, they switched me to what I really wanted to go to, a fine arts high school.
0: Oh, you went to a fine arts
1: high school? Like, okay yeah. And that was oh, amazing. Huh. Uh, and I... I loved it there and flourished okay. Okay. Uh, in a public fine arts school. Okay. Oh. Uh, so it was big, made a big difference. And
0: was it theater that you were drawn to right away there? Yeah. Did you dabble in other yeah, areas?
1: I've, I was like a bit of a dance background, but it was like more out of enjoyment. I, I know okay. I'm not like a dancer. <laughs> um, no, it was always theater. And I mean, like if you get to do 15 to 20 hours a week of the thing that you really love... Uh, it makes it so much easier to deal with all the other academics and things like that. Uh. So, like, for three years, pretty much, I got this really intensive... Uh, theater background huh. yeah. what
0: what kinds of plays were you working on in high school
1: um, you got your classics you got your your Shakespeare um, and Summer Nights Dream uh, then we also did uh, the Trojan woman okay uh, which is very interesting Greek tragedy okay now I think about it like it was actually a super feminist school that we went to huh. like usually the ratio was like three uh, girls to a boy pretty okay. much. Uh, and then like we did the Trojan woman and like the only boy that was really there or the young men uh would be like a few um gents in the chorus okay. uh and then like uh, my son in the play was a young we got because we were in a k to 12 school oh. so like yeah, some of the young kids yeah like, he was my young son for the play uh and then the rest of it's just women talking about their role in society oh. once all the men have disappeared right. um uh yeah and then tons of little festival pieces and monologues and one of my favorite ones was my graduating piece um, uh, The Syringa Tree which is a South African play ah. yeah. but she plays like 17 different characters in one person show so I did like 20 minutes from that as uh. a graduating piece so yeah very Do fun you still movies. remember the lines? I actually occasionally do use it as a monologue Oh okay um, piece, because it's beautifully like for monologues sometimes when you're a certain age is some suit and then some do not huh. as you grow older. Okay. It's one of the rare ones where like suspension of disbelief is enough that you can actually play it for many years. Oh, okay.
0: So, yeah. Oh, that's really neat. Ha, huh, cool. I feel like there was like a little bit of a sliding doors moment for me in Mm. high school i grew up on a farm so really rural so we didn't do i i didn't do extracurricular activities my mom was just like i'm not driving you a half an hour to do stuff after school i'm not picking you up like i was just like a hard-working farmer's wife there was there was no time for Mm -hmm. that but i remember going to a play i think my cousin was in and just watching you know peers and some kids a bit younger than me uh, performing and like working together and that sort of arts scene. I was not at all athletic, so that kind of sense of team was not for me. Mm-hmm. But that I remember thinking, oh, I wish I would have done that. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but there, there was not really not a real opportunity. There was some theater in our like small town in Saskatchewan, but I wonder about those things of like, oh, I think I had an interest in that, but no opportunity to connect with it because of like the distance and.
1: You know, that kind of thing. When did your move happen? Which one? (laughs) Which one? The one that, like, was an impact on you?
0: Oh, it (laughs) wasn't a move, but it was a significant um, transition in our family. So just, like, uh, an impact of... uh, the, our rural communities. There was this, like, a, a bank lender had lent out too much money, uh, mm. and it, these are people that you kind of grow up around, and then it all kind of came crashing. So there was this, there was this time in that point in my life where I remember, like, that there was uh, just the tension of, like, might we lose our farm, uh, and mm. and things being really thin in terms of, like. Putting food on the table, and you, know, what just, you at that time? I was just, I was, I th- it was just before high school. Mm-hmm. But high school was kind of different in small towns, right? Like we went to like, so it, it's harder to trace timelines a bit because, like, we went to the high school in grade six, but then, like grade eight in that same building was kind of your transition mm-hmm. to the senior end of the school. Anyways, yeah. So you think about like just a big. Those, there are moments from that time in my life of like fear and scarcity and some of some mental health issues in our family that are just really, they're loud moments for me. You know, there's yeah. kind of childhood blur, blur, blur. Whoa, there's that moment and like a bit blurry and like that moment and that season has like some of those more intense moments. So probably acting and theater would have been helpful for me <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to process some of those really big emotions that, mm. I, if particularly in a small community when I was growing up, language for, for that stuff was just, you know, these were things you sort of dealt with quietly, like in your own family unit. If somebody needed some mental health help, it, it, la- the language of mental health was just completely nonexistent. Yeah.
1: And I think sp- I now nowadays, like... Um... I'm so glad people speak about the therapy more mm-hmm. uh, and normalize it Yeah, because like I have done therapy. Yeah, Michael and I have done the therapy together. Yeah. He's done it separately. Uh, and I just, we, we speak about it because mm-hmm. we, I don't know that weird sense of shame. Sometimes mm-hmm. that people have with like, I needed to get help with yeah. something personal that existed. I think a lot more, even a decade ago. Yeah, yeah. And now there's more of a sense of like, yeah, we, we speak about it yeah. because we want like premarital counseling was the best thing we did ah. uh, and I recommend it to everyone huh. like if you ever have, have a smaller wedding do it to get yeah. premarital instead because huh. like, yeah those are I'm glad things have changed Yeah, but it, it's when you look back sometimes at childhood and those moments you just wish yeah. you could have unpacked them right, at the right, time right. in a healthy way
0: I, w- yeah, and I wonder about More like I didn't grow up in a community that um, favored the arts, you know, Mm. and and the arts and narratives and theater, like these are places you can kind of come in contact with some of the themes, right? Of uh, struggle and Mm -hmm. uh, people coming together to like sort of rescue each other, you know, there, the Mm. all of the kinds of like the endless creativity of a larger narrative Mm. uh, engaged in by a larger community. Can help do some of this work of like normalizing really big, complicated yeah. parts of our lives. And when I, I knew I wanted to live in cities, you know, I knew <laughs> that like the arts were for me, yeah. uh, even if I had no experience with them, you know, sort of personally, there was something like. Uh, more nuanced and complicated and uh, of the human, the larger human experience, okay. that I was like, I, where's the museum? I want to go
1: to one. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, that's the thing. Like That's why you work in stories. I work in stories. Mm-hmm. And I truly believe that the only thing that truly changes people is when they hear a story and it somehow affects their heart and then something goes Clicks in their mind, and like that's how perspective changes happen. Mm. It's sometimes it's at university and you're writing a critical piece, uh, sometimes it's a great conversation. Mm-hmm. But I think people's stories are the rarest forms like, stories aren't rare, but true stories that affect you, and those rare moments where you hear something and you have empathy and it changes you. Mm-hmm. Like, that's why I, I love the arts mm-hmm. because. I think that's how people change and if the more exposure you have to it the more you're open to those changes potentially mm-hmm. and rethinking your world which is so uncomfortable yeah sometimes.
0: yeah 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 yeah. I, I think about those moments of for some reason i'm going to like when i lived in the bay area and i i was like pretty obsessed with moma the museum of modern mm-hmm. art and because i just hadn't i hadn't lived in a city until moving to san francisco and there were paintings standing in front of paintings. And somehow thinking, there's something of my story here. Like, Mm -hmm. uh, I loved this. I can't remember who the painter was, but I had the print for so long. Like, it was a a woman by herself, like, in a cafe, just, like, very kind of basic color, uh, uh, head down, like, drinking a coffee. And as somebody who had, like, gone uh, to live in that part of the world by myself, I just could not get enough of this mm. painting, like, I didn't know much about the painter. I think at one point I eventually looked h- h- him, I think it was a he, looked them up. Um, but, you know, the, as just this little example of like, I, uh, when I had time, I'd get on the BART train, I'd go into the city and I would head straight for MoMA and like find a painting that moved something mm. inside of me that I could like see something of myself. In the thing, did I know anything about like how to paint or how colors go together or any sort of construction of the thing? Not a freaking thing. But I, it moved me. I said, so my mm. friend who still lives in the Bay Area, she every time she goes to MoMA, she's like, "Hey, I was at your museum today," because <laughs> I just felt something open in me and like deeply change me. You know, standing in front of a, a Mark Rothko, like three. Yeah. Blocks of color, and then all of a sudden, feeling like I was in the color, like Mm -hmm. just letting it wash over me and become something.
1: I still have trouble putting words to. Half my degree, like, is in visual arts. So, Ah. like, I similar. We just went to the Glenbow for the first time, Michael and I, and we just sat there that's that we stood in these different paintings and yeah, it, yeah like in a if you, you yeah. stand in front of one and the way they want it lit and the feeling yeah. of it like kind of permeating off the yeah. wall yeah it's uh the abstraction without the words and the narrative there's still something yeah. there that can draw you in
0: yeah yeah I have this idea for like a little game <laughs> But I'm not there yet. <laughs> but I'm like working us towards it. Okay. Um, I feel like I had this question about like, what kind of theater do you make? Mm-hmm. And and do you act in? Could you give some language around that?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, totally. Like you
0: mentioned monologue, you know, you've done some monologue.
1: Well, oh, yeah. You know, are
0: dramas? Uh,
1: yeah, like the, the different musicals, and... <laughs> dancing. You know, what kind of? <laughs> what is the the thing that I, I want to do? Um, so I'll be honest. When I first started, um, I really going down this path and really thinking like I'm going to look for opportunities. I want to build my resume and I just I took a lot of opportunities to try different things mm. um would I say I'm like categorized under one genre just mm-hmm. yet uh probably not but I would say the things that are, are truly interesting to me as an artist um are stories that, that shift perspectives okay. um so would it be a particular genre like not all musicals are created equal not all like dramatic pieces are uh, I probably wouldn't be like in like surrealist absurdist works okay. I'm much more a fan of a narrative that people can connect with okay. and accessibility mm-hmm. Uh however can you have suspension of disbelief with like a one person show Yeah absolutely and that can still draw you in and can you break up um the narrative so it's out of order and you can still potentially uh, have maybe a little bit of a surrealist moment or something like that, yeah. But I think at the end of the day, it's to me, it's it's uh, those stories that allow people just to shift their perspective and be open to a new way of looking at the world. Those are the ones I'm attracted to, no matter the genre, whether it's uh, film or whether it's theater. Yeah, you, we all have those films or those stories mm-hmm. that you're like, oh, if you've watched it and... That is what I hope towards. I also have moments now, to be honest, where like p- people, I always was like, I'm a dramatic actress. Yeah. Uh, and then like I get put into like comedy situations and then people are like, oh, you're actually quite funny. Like, <laughs> are you sure? Like I've auditioned, you've put me in. I'm sure not. Like, I'm like, can I do this? I don't know, maybe I can. And then I, I, uh, I, I do them and they're not terrible. People do laugh, but um, <laughs> laughter to me is an interesting thing because that's yeah. the moment of, vulnerability where people stop judging for a moment and they just experience yeah yeah
0: yeah uh, that is one of my favorite compliments. is someone's like, you're actually quite funny. I'm like, <laughs> yes!
1: <laughs> I live for this affirmation! <laughs> yes, please!
0: Oh, gosh. So I, I like this language around perspective change. And I wonder if we can speak, if you could speak a little bit, like philosophically as well, about, like, what does theater uh, do for the city or just like the community however however you, where, I don't care where the boundaries are mm-hmm. but it, what does it matter that our perspective changes like I it's mm-hmm. is it maybe we should start like what does it matter for us personally and what does it matter for who we are in community maybe that's a better way to engage that
1: well I would say all of it is in like a case-by-case scenario so I'm gonna go just like to the lived experience recently in a play uh sacrament where I played someone who was hugely different from me uh someone who is a scientist someone who is an atheist and someone who is gay so there's a opposite ends of the spectrum uh my own identity where do you find the love for that character because every actor has to love their character and who they are even if they you're playing quite frankly a nazi uh, that actor's job is to not judge the character, but to find an mm. understanding of that character. So as an actor, um, plays provide an opportunity for me to literally shift into the skin of someone else to create that world and to try and understand those motivations. And that's so rare that you go in that deep mm. to try and understand someone else's point of view. And I learn so much from it. Uh, it was really interesting to do this play because so Michael and I were traveling uh, into Asia and we walked through uh, other temples. Um, and it was as someone who grew up in a Christian household, and it's so a greater part of my identity. To try and move away from being Christian for this play, I had to try and reimagine like how you do that. Mm. So we go to this walk in these temples and I see people practicing other rituals. And for a moment, then I understood my character—that ah. that foreignness that I felt in some, seeing someone else's religious practice was what the character <gasps> would feel.
0: Oh, I love that moment, just like it's, dropping into that.
1: Yeah, so it's so for me as an individual, it's rare to do that, and I mean, that I think life is trying to understand other people and love them. Uh, so acting as an individual lets me do that and just like learn all these different perspectives and go in deep um you provided me resources and contacts to understand uh what does the eucharist process actually look like for catholics versus protestants and unpack that and i came come away with this incredible understanding that unless you like this is the niche i want to focus in on in life Like, I would never have that opportunity to do that.
0: Right. You got to uh, talk to my super Catholic cousin, Brett. Yeah. (laughs) It was intense, but so
1: brilliant. (laughs) Loved it. Like, super nerd, and I loved it. Yes, he was so nerdy. We
0: grew up together. And it's really pretty cool because, like, I took this, like, nerdy Protestant route, even though we grew up in the same Catholic parish, and he took this, like, Well, I mean, he's a thousand times smarter than me, but he took this really, like, nerdy Catholic route. And it's so fun when we see each other and, like, understand each other's language in this kind of ecumenical, like, family moment. But I loved when you asked about particularly transubstantiation. Mm -hmm. And I was like, my cousin (laughs) is releasing a book on that exact topic. (laughs) So he was delighted to jump in. I just wanted to flesh that out a little bit. Totally. But that's really beautiful. Uh, I love that story of of you wondering how how am I going to identify with this character so different from me, mm-hmm. and then you travel around the world and there's this moment for like kind of waiting for you, yeah. to say like this is how this is how you'll do it. Um, yeah. that sort of sense of uh, appreciation mm-hmm. and foreignness kind of together was very cool. So what uh, why why does it matter that? That more than just actors, no. <laughs> actors experience that. Uh, does theater promote, or it can it be a catalyst for a larger transformation in us? To like, I'm sure that's mm-hmm. kind of what we're doing, right? We're sitting before a play. Maybe that's an element of like the play being great is that it enters into our yeah. story in some way through character or plot. I, or, well,
1: and I'm sure like love to hear your perspective on this as well and the arts is this weird thing and theater is is also pretty unique in this way because the rest of our lives they're so busy and all of society uh, a western context is like productivity do more how far can you spread yourself then how far can you splinter your focus and accomplish as much as you can because productivity is this God that we worship in all of our actions. Uh, And then you go to a sacred space Mm -hmm. and you have to sit still. You have to look at what is in front of you. Mm -hmm. You have to listen to a perspective that is not necessarily yours.
0: And when you say sacred space, you mean a
1: theater? I think you can see the analogy between church (laughs) and theater. This is lovely. This is
0: lovely. Okay. okay. Yeah. Because you're speaking about like, this is what we do in church. Yeah. And we sit in these sacred spaces.
1: Yeah. And we listen to stories. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. Ancient stories, complicated stories, personal stories from the story, the the one who wields the story. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And we are open to a new way of thinking Mm -hmm. and being. So you, you practice this as well in mm-hmm. some ways in my point of view. It's mm-hmm. just like how, how often do we do that in life and make it part of a ritual? Um, and the theater is a bit different, depends on the show or whatnot. But mm-hmm. yeah, like that that practice of being still and reflecting and focusing, uh, that is a rarity in our society. Theater creates that space. To me, the church and the time that we spend together outside of the church itself but with the people and we create mm-hmm. spaces for that mm-hmm. that i think is quite frankly what keeps us sane and keeps mm-hmm. us connected to the rest of the world mm-hmm. because if not like where else do you do that quite frankly mm-hmm. in the secular world uh or just like if you don't have those practices like theater might be something that you do that does that or the arts uh if you walk into um uh A gallery or a museum and you do have that reflection Uh, so like to back I think back to your question of like why is the arts important in art practices like I think it provides us a space in a world that completely goes against this trend of busyness Uh, we we reflect and and we think and we experience um and we ask is this the life I want to live yeah Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. What I'm thinking of a little bit is like productivity, uh, drivenness, you know, these are all uh, parts of our human experience, but, uh, we can be so wrapped up in it to Mm -hmm. the detriment of this other part of our humanity, which longs for something still, Mm -hmm. some, something, uh, creative, something poetic even. Uh, and, and when we can sit, I also, I it also. I'm kind of jumping around a bit, but it strikes me that in our entertainment, uh, we move past things really quickly. But when we're in a room where something live is happening, we you cannot look away. Like it would be disruptive to like get up off your seat and leave. Mm -hmm. uh, You know, you're forced to like no stay with the story, stay with this moment, stay with yourself with this. Mm -hmm. This if something makes you uncomfortable. um, in a way that's quite different from like if I'm watching something on Netflix and I don't like it, I just turn it off. Like yeah, I don't have to be uh, uh, I don't have to stay with my uh, what what's going on inside of me. But yeah. these live spaces, a sacred space in a church, a sacred space in a theater, mm-hmm. are saying no, like keep, keep looking, like keep looking at this story. Don't turn away. Uh, and if you're uncomfortable, it's likely doing something where it's like moving you into a part of your own humanity yeah. away from like productivity entertainment yeah tailoring those things
1: really quickly totally and so yeah, i love like it. like the fact that you're saying like, like it's not bad by itself it's totally true like productivity i am the weirdest scheduler like people like oh artist, everything is just whatever <laughs> like no like i schedule so much and like plan things but uh if you go too deep into anything uh, you can lose perspective sometimes mm-hmm. yeah yeah
0: and lose connection with yourself yeah. so you are writing and you are stepping into i think more and more of that part of your creativity mm-hmm. or is that or is that just something that's kind of always existed
1: um i have always written but um part of like The Artist's Way, the book, uh, is that you start writing more uh, and you make it almost uh, a daily practice. Um, And interestingly enough, going into the writing space and being a creator of work, uh, I essentially wanted to grow some more stories that I could imagine would relate to me and to other people. Uh, in life and women to be honest like I, mm. I'm very interested in um, focusing on women in my writing mm-hmm. so it is a relatively new title like I I worked through Alberta Playwrights Network and a mentorship program there um, started to do more and more writing and and to me the writing informs my acting as well my acting informs my writing um, and you just get you, you grow the more you do both, uh, mm. so it's it's newer to me than acting in the sense of playwright um, work. But I want to, the funny thing is like the more you create, the more opportunities come to do things. Mm. And um, I think that's like
0: a general rule, like yeah. a rule of the universe or something. Yes,
1: absolutely. Yeah, like the more. You, you're going to have, like, all these interesting things I, I sense it's going to come from doing these podcasts. <laughs> Just because, like, you, you somehow claimed that creating space, mm. um, you put it out there in the universe, you put it out there to God, and then you, you take that step, that leap of faith, and mm. do the thing, and then that answer comes back to you again. Mm. Some kind
0: of interesting alchemy there. Like, Yeah,
1: okay. <laughs> I'm huh. curious to hear, like you're creating endeavors and like how that's come back to you as well.
0: Yeah. I always saw theology as a really creative thing.
1: Mm. But
0: I never I didn't feel like I was sort of permitted to speak that way in my theological mm. training, like to I I would get so frustrated with sort of learning in isolation. Like even learning languages to me and with like just sit <laughs> down you do that? by yourself <laughs> learn this language, the biblical languages. Mm-hmm. And I and I knew that like watching a film in Hebrew uh, in like modern day Hebrew wouldn't actually help me like get a better grade, but it would help me like I had to find creative ways to learn the language outside mm. of the syllabus. Yeah. Uh, so I started like just trying to find. I would have been better off to like go to Israel and you know should I had the opportunity <laughs> and and like experience some culture where this language. Uh, like sits in the world and I but I started just like finding these little bits of I had some Jewish neighbors and uh, they would like teach me some songs and Mm. I would go to uh, like Shabbat at their home and just gather the culture to me was like language had this um, this creativity and relationship to it so learning in like in a little study carol in a library by myself was just so soul-sucking i I hated. it i resisted it i was always complaining about it and people were like just shut up and learn the stuff (laughs) why why don't we watch a movie or something (laughs) give me access to a culture like um but i i remember uh just moments as well where it just seems so easy for people to like uh just uh, like assent to a certain belief and i would think but that doesn't work like in relationships like mm-hmm. you can sit here in this room and say like this is what I believe but like go outside and live with that what oh, is that yeah. really like so I was always interested in like my theology being informed uh in community and in re- in relationships and it just I, I didn't find a model for that I couldn't find yeah. people who I, I found more voices probably later particularly in like feminist theology and liberation theology but uh it, in seminary it was I found it difficult because thankfully where I studied there was a really strong uh artists and theology blend like Mm -hmm. people would come and do arts projects so the the love of film the love of theater the love of song like that stuff was present if I wanted to access it Mm -hmm. where I studied uh but it wasn't so much a part of like my MDiv okay ready for the game Okay, here's what we're going to okay. do. So I thought it would be fun for you to talk about these different aspects of theater by way of like just giving us an introduction. Because I just, like I, I've enjoyed a lot of theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot that might be a stretch, but I, I definitely enjoyed theater like at different parts in my life. But I don't always know what these things mean in the context. So if, do you have a uh, clock, Jonathan? Can you set clock <laughs> 11? Yeah. Can you set a timer of like thirty seconds? Well, let's just try it. So I'm gonna say a word, and I want you to give us like, uh, give me like a thirty second lesson.
1: Okay. Of okay.
0: these things. All right, <laughs> let's, let's do like this. <laughs> so I'm gonna say, uh, and it kind of personal too would be fun, mm-hmm. but talk to me for thirty seconds about genre in theater.
1: Um, genre in theater is usually the way that we try and explain where a play fits in a culture or theme or style. Uh, and it's just a quick snapshot. Um, and the most interesting thing usually in theater is when that genre kind of folds in on itself or we bend the rules a little bit.
0: Ooh. Oh, give a sound. Okay, talk to me about for thirty seconds. Dialogue.
1: Dialogue is essentially it's supposed to be like conversation between two characters. Um, uh, die being two, uh, but usually it's going to go into subtext a little bit, which like. There's a surface level dialogue, and then the subtexts are the feelings that are underneath. As an actor, you look at the words, but you're trying to mine the meaning underneath.
0: So this is really fun. I am learning (laughs) so much. Talk to me about, for 30 seconds, theater rituals.
1: So the theater rituals could be superstitious. Some theater people Mm -hmm. are very superstitious. Um, We're like... You don't say good luck, you say break a leg. Uh, There's some other ones as well. But theater ritual to me is that process of getting into the character, into that place so that the thing that I offer to people is the most authentic, genuine, the hardest work that I could have put out towards them.
0: Yes, (laughs) I love it. Talk to me, I'm going to do maybe three more. Talk to me about character.
1: Character is everything uh, in acting, uh, similar to subtext with the words. Characters, when you go internally into the individual, you try and understand their motivations, uh, their history, their fears, their longing, and what they are fighting for. And that is the fuel behind any of the text.
0: I love that, what they are fighting for. Yeah. That's, that's a really cool question yeah. to think about. Yeah, I love that. Okay. Okay. To talk to me about the audience.
1: The audience to me is a co-creator of meaning and I give them so much respect and love. Um, and it doesn't really matter at the end of the day what I do, it has to be in relationship to that other person there. Uh, and quite frankly, as an artist, like I, I pour myself and my gift out there so that hopefully at the other end of it uh something shifts in their heart and mind.
0: Some microphone. Yeah. <laughs> That's so good. That's good. That's so good. So, uh I wanted to talk a little bit more about this kind of uh the chemistry between uh the the performer and the audience. Mm-hmm. So if you could give me uh, like five ways to get the most out of the experience as somebody attending a play like, or mm-hmm. just three to five sort of like here's here's how you here's how you attend theater.
1: How to get the most out of theater. Yeah. Um, OK. There are, I think there's different schools of thought. Sometimes I will go to a production and I will want to know nothing about it because I want it to surprise me and I don't want to come in with a preconceived notion. Sometimes that's totally okay to do that. Then I would say there's a side of informing yourself well and learning more. And if you're a beginner to theater, uh, what I would say is um, go with an artistic friend. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, because whether it be visual arts, whether it be literary arts, and um, consider the theatre production that you are going to as the beginning of the conversation, uh, not just the main meal, but part of a whole dialogue. So you go with an artistic friend. Um, maybe you do a bit of research about the work, uh, trying to figure out who the author was or what play is about if you're like that person that likes to know more uh, and then go to an evening that has a talk back and go and listen to it you don't have to ask questions mm-hmm. but you totally can uh, then afterwards you go with that artistic friend and you discuss it afterwards uh, a lot of times um, from your research you could have potentially in my research i mean like five minutes of googling you could have like <laughs> thought about a few things uh, and you can ask each other things like I see something. I absorb. Uh, observe that this happened. I don't understand it. Mm. I, it didn't resonate with me. What do you think about that scenario? And that's the interesting thing. Once you start things that are uncomfortable, discussing those, uh, um, not putting judgment. I, I think that was weak or anything like that. But just like, why did I see that? Why did it make me feel those feelings? Um, and then you see. I would say theater. And that play and that discussion is usually a launching point into some sort of philosophical look upon your life mm. and the other person that you are in communion with. Mm. Uh, and that, I think, would be a great way to start uh, appreciating the arts and being okay with being uncomfortable at certain moments. Huh. Um, yeah, that's how it start. <laughs> Do you think,
0: I, I have found it helpful, even, I, I like, films as well mm-hmm. to like read what other people think so, yeah. and then it, like I'll go to plays on my own I mm-hmm. definitely like got in the habit of doing that even in or especially in Vancouver as a single person not wanting to like uh just because I couldn't find somebody to go somewhere yeah. with wasn't going to stop me from going to see things that would stretch me or that I might find really interesting. So, uh, so having like even a pretend dialogue, like reading the review and thinking, I don't agree with this, or I do agree with that. And like taking some time to think about it. Oh yeah. uh, And even like write in my own journal about it like what was something i liked and kind of taking note of it so yes to yeah. all of that yeah. i think uh like yeah. if you don't have a friend to to God. go with there you can always access the ideas and the thoughts totally somewhere
1: yeah and, i and i have done that before as well mm-hmm. like um and i sometimes do for scheduling i want to see something i'll just go and see yeah. it myself um yeah absolutely uh if, i think people sometimes feel shy about going by themselves yeah. like nobody cares yeah like just go i mean i (laughs) do so
0: much and every time i always have to still give myself a little pep talk like Like, it's fine that exact thing nobody cares like and this is what you want to do so just do it (laughs) totally just go do it uh cool so i would love to talk about uh like a time for you when you've been like in a creative flow like Mm -hmm. when you've been in a moment thinking, this is it. Like, I love this. I am, I'm, everything in me is soaring and humming and I am where I need to be right now. Yeah. Can you, do you go to a moment when I ask you that and can you describe it?
1: Um, yeah, I would probably say those plays and stories that answer that question of, oh, I, I feel like people will be changed by this. Um, and when, so in theater, and in any live piece, uh, everything has to go right for <laughs> it to, like, get to that point. Mm-hmm. And just one little thing can throw it off. Mm-hmm. Uh, so f- those moments, um, and it's, it's funny because to me, this is one quote that really sums up that feeling. Uh, it's, it's an oldie, uh, Chariots, <laughs> of fire, uh, when, Chariots of Fire, when he says, uh, Eric Liddell says, God made me fast, and when I run, I feel his pleasure. Uh-huh. Theater, and those moments when it's like I can feel the audience shifting with me. That's um, cool. Yeah, and they, they buy in, they believe, they care, they want to know what happens. Um, those are the moments. And probably like the most recent play I did because it was this beautiful play of. Um, a dialogue between two former friends and then two different worldviews in a high stress situation where they're using their words to fight one another, but there's this weird love between them still, um, and they're breaking each other's heart on stage. That, those are, we've all had those moments mm-hmm. in real life. Um, that a moment, like the audience, usually they were shocked at the end of the play, and there would be like this clap of like, that's it, <laughs> like, that's where you're leaving us. Um, but those it was quite lovely to hear some of the responses afterwards as well from people when the nights went well, that like they went along with the journey. And then afterwards, surprisingly enough, the conversations that came afterwards from people who, because the, the show has a theological component to it and a belief component to it, people who don't subscribe to that label having questions and then being like this is my access point to have this conversation with you mm. which I you wouldn't usually yes. have so that was, yeah. to that was a,
0: curiosity in this yeah really neat way by by way of like other characters you can talk about things that are quite personal but mm-hmm. it's impersonal in some ways because these are fiction yeah pieces totally So let's talk a little bit about that experience that you had recently that was harder. So... (laughs) I attended the play that you just mentioned mm-hmm. and enjoyed it, but I could tell that there was some struggle in, in the play. You're so in the performance. about it. It was, you, you you know, I was like, okay, okay. And then I thought, ooh, we're, so, we're struggling yes. here. And then you had sent me a message saying, if you want to come back, like, please come back. And I was like, I still got a lot out of it. Like, I enjoyed going to a play by myself, you know, doing that again, connected me to myself in a good way. Like I had I'd gotten everything from the experience that I needed. But we've uh, communicated a little bit about what that experience yeah. was like for you. And I think this is a really important part mm-hmm. of our creativity. Like there are these times when we're soaring and everything is like yeah. it, clipping along, and we are exactly where we need to be. And then there are these times when, like we try something or we participate in something, and it does not go as we wanted. You said everything needs to work out, yeah, you know, yeah. for this thing to to really get off the ground. and mm-hmm. sometimes some of those pieces don't. So,
1: Walk us through what that was like for you. So yeah, for live events to go well, everything has to go well. Um, Direction, the journey, the energy with the people on stage, something as simple as uh, your cues, which are like your light or sound cues that happen. So um, it didn't one night. And, you know, when you act for theater, uh, you put in a lot of time and a lot of energy because you're watching it from beginning to end. And in this play, it's like 70 pages of circular arguments between two people. Um, oh, that's
0: really helpful. That is, <laughs> that is what it was. Like, it was How are they even staying? Yeah, it, yeah. Yeah, it was a, a stunning thing to wonder about. Yeah. And conversation the conversation just going, 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 all that you had to memorize.
1: Yeah, which is yeah. like total how real arguments are. It's all like, right. oh, we finished at this point, but I'm going back to that yes! point, and I'm going to talk about it. Uh, oh, totally. So things, you know, like I... I, I pour myself into it, and any artist pours themselves into it, uh, whatever art form. And um, I had given so much to this. Uh, and it went sideways the one night. And I walked off that stage knowing like it had gone sideways, and I was pissed. Mm. And I was angry. And then I started like, I'm crying back in the green room because I'm like, you know, Oh my God, come on! I have mm. taken so many years to get to this point, mm. and this opportunity to give my gift went so sideways mm. and um, the artistic producer, a wonderful woman, um, she walks in and she knows I'm, I'm distraught and she comes down. While I'm sitting in the chair in a Green Rover's mm. dressing room. Oh, you by yourself uh, otherwise? Yeah, we have uh, separate dressing rooms Kay. and I'm just sitting there, oof, barely holding it together, yeah. so hurt. Um, and she says to me, Christy, this is not the moment that will define you huh. as an artist. Huh. You, and she's a woman of faith, uh, and she's like, You have an identity in Christ, you have an identity as uh, a wife you have an identity as a daughter things th- that are bigger than this and this moment and i'm like i say to her i'm like no i'm like your sponsors are here tonight and like this is what happened like oh, oh i feel so bad like just, like you know, oh, we're holding all of that and she's oh. like you it's okay um. like it, and you have five minutes to feel bad about it <laughs> and then no more, uh, oh. and I was like, okay, okay. So, and like people, you're in the audience. <laughs> My in-laws are in the audience. Um, People that have been like rooting and cheering me on uh, are there, and I like they're waiting outside. And I'm just like, text Michael, I'm like, just come backstage, please. Like, I'm just, oh. I'm humiliated. Uh, but she said those, those things to me. That moment, it kind of boasted me a little bit mm. uh, to to get out and 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 move along even though it took me way longer than usually Mm. Uh, and then it was a beautiful reflection afterwards uh, because I had to get the courage the very next day to get back up there and do it again Mm. Uh, and then more and more time as well has passed and I've been thinking about those moments uh, and there's even as a creative individual and a creator you can slip into losing your identity into that and those other foundations of your faith you you don't mean it but it it can slip because you are pouring yourself into your gift and this is what you feel like you're supposed to do and Mm. there's that moment of like you've misplaced the idol you've misplaced the meaning of the thing Mm. and it was would I'd love for it to go on perfectly. And then you and I can be chatting about this amazing night where like, oh, you totally got it. It's for sure, my ego would have loved that. Um, but I also think like, I've firmly like put my creative endeavors uh, out to God and asked for him to open the doors that need to be open and close the ones that shouldn't and for me to learn uh, and that moment where it was just so downcast Mm. has actually been that one of reflection because usually it's like in your failures Mm. or mistakes where a ton of reflection happens uh so
0: yeah it's just (laughs) wild that it has to be that way (laughs) but But it's so true that like there was there was a teacher waiting for you in this really difficult evening just saying like we have some things to learn
1: and you know like any other to be honest uh is a faith-based um, production company. Um, any other one in town, it probably would have. I would not have had that response. Mm. But in that moment,
0: right? You yeah, were so, so well, soft. sort of cushioned in there yeah. to be able to look at your yeah. your own relationship with your art, yeah, and evaluate
1: it a bit. Uh, and like, you're know, the last person I need to tell this to. Going up on a, a podium or stage and speaking to people, hundreds of people, th- there is no greater fear and there's no greater joy as well. Yes, yeah. And the pressure is it real. Is, it is very <laughs>
0: real. And I get that, like, I just, I'm gonna give it my all. Yeah. And, and that moment when you step down, and you think it just, it didn't, it wasn't, didn't uh, for whatever reason, something happened in the room. So I got thrown by something. Yeah that, yeah, that kind of vulnerability, the reward and the risk. Are really, oh, they're oh. such interesting yeah. fellows. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm. I would love you know to think about. It's you know we think about, we talk about the divine with us in these like really beautiful guiding moments or, mm-hmm. uh, like this sort of like, yeah when, things are great and you sort of sense mm-hmm. the divine and you sense God's love. But could you talk a little bit more about? Uh, the presence of the, the divine in, in this struggle of that experience?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, it, it is interesting because like journaling uh, is something that I do pretty frequently, if not daily, depending on the rhythm of where the things are at, with projects, I, I try and do it daily and, and reflection. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like in that moment... It does feel like, quite frankly, that you're by yourself. Yeah, that in, sort of sense of
0: abandonment.
1: Yeah, there's an abandoned feeling of abandonment. It's not true, mm-hmm. but the feeling is very real um, because you feel the weight of it. But um, it, it's a quiet reflection afterwards, mm. where like you ask yourself, like, what are your fundamental truths, and what do you believe? Mm. Who are you in relation to your creator? And what does that mean? Does he abandon you? Does he throw it all out just because like something went wrong? Mm. Um,
0: and well, we would say, of course not. No, of course not. But like when I do, <laughs> oh of right. Course.
1: So it is interesting to think of God as a creator mm. and like His process potentially. And um, yeah, I, I, I'll be honest. There's the, the disappointment in the moment and you can accept it and embrace it but not wallow in it because it isn't truth it is a moment Mm. Uh, and then you have to go back to what are your fundamental truths what do you Mm. actually believe and an identity outside of yourself and values outside of yourself um and for myself god what does he see yeah, like you have to do that. And, and truthfully, like you learn from that, mm-hmm. not just the good stuff. You, yeah, you do learn from some of the good stuff, but the, those moments, those defining moments of, am I gonna pick, pick it back up again, mm-hmm. despite the fact that it Great. hurt me, this Great. thing that I cared so much about? Mm-hmm. Uh, and will I refocus, and not let it just be the one thing that fulfills me, but in the context of who you are an identity as a person of faith um yeah like there has to be the reflection afterwards mm-hmm. uh and then i think also the, the, the kindness of people who, who spoke to kindness to me after mm-hmm. the fact mm-hmm. um
0: yeah you got to experience something of compassion and yeah. sort of solidarity uh yeah. support and yeah. that which are all like beautiful ways that god comes near totally i think yeah and I could imagine, I mean, it sounds a little bit cliche to say this, but this is the stuff that makes you better. Like, yeah. am I, I'm not really interested in hearing somebody tell me a story of their life's been just like really easy and perfect, you know? Yeah. Uh, I keep thinking of a moment where I had preached a sermon here and it may have been the... Yes, it was the sermon uh, where I talked about having my hip replaced, you know, in my mid-30s. And people were like, what? But somebody who is well acquainted with Mm -hmm. complex, tragic stories in our community. uh, It's a hip replacement. It's not a tragic thing, except it really did define having this thing in my body that didn't work all of my, you know, all of my life that I can remember. She said, that's that's what actually makes your voice what it is. It's mm-hmm. this story, this thing that was broken and this thing that you went through that was complicated. And it was really interesting to hear it sort of reflected back that like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I didn't like that it meant I couldn't play. Well, I probably would have never been that athletic, but, <laughs> uh, I, but it, there were all of these ways that I kind of had an excuse uh, from parts of the human experience because of this mm. hip. Um, but, but to then, like, that story is such a big part of me uh, yeah. that kind of just literally, like, I had to break to be made new, I think was like a way that I framed it. That these like, moments where we sort of fall down and think, oh, I failed. <laughs> 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 or or I was a part of something that didn't go and didn't reflect well on me. Mm. Uh, that like in a way just like yeah welcome to the human <laughs> experience like it's hard and yeah. you add a skinned knee and then you get up and you everyone says me too i have a skinned <laughs> knee you know I, I remember falling like that you know i, I get a ima- mat and and because you took the time to reflect mm-hmm. to take that experience in you didn't just distract yourself, resist it. It didn't really happen. It doesn't really matter, which I think is also a way that we cope with complicated mm. stories that ha- happen in our lives, but you you said like I will s- I will sit for these 5 minutes and be sad and pissed. <laughs> and I will sit with this story in the week to come and the weeks to come. Yeah. And it has something to teach me. I will take in this piece little piece of suffering. Yeah. And I will see what it what it will do in me. Totally. Um is hard. We never we never like it. It's uncomfortable. Uh, what's next for you? What are you working on now?
1: Um, this is a great question. And I was going to, like, oh, my, I, and I can talk about some of the other projects. But um, I also kind of felt like I should speak about space. Um, and um, because that play that you saw was just after I finished with a play, like, two weeks prior of writing it and having it performed and then doing some short screenings of other short films that I'd done. Uh, And I was so tired at the end of that play. Because I I always think, like, keep going, going, and Mm. produce, and, like, three days, rest, I'll be right again. Mm. Uh, But there's emotional work that you do, and sometimes that takes time Mm. uh, to breathe. And there was, like, at least three weeks I was like, I am so tired. (laughs) <laughs> and like it took a while uh, and Michael and I took a break together and now I'm kind of getting back into it but speaking about um, times like filling the well uh, I would probably say the next month and a half is me doing things where I'm not necessarily writing mm-hmm. or not necessarily doing a, like, a ton of acting like I still go for a ton of auditions that's just the process of being an actor but uh, I, this summer Michael and I can have chatted about it, and it's just like chill a little Mm. bit uh do things like make good meals organize Mm. the pantry (laughs) um do decor things Mm. which is like physically creating because a lot of the work i do is intellectual or emotional sometimes just creating with one's hands is like the thing that you need to do uh, to fuel yourself again uh and then uh after this summer, this time that we set aside. Um, the end of it, I'm working on um, a web series uh, called Formal Complaints, Women in the Workplace. Um, and that's going to be fun because I get to do a character arc. Plus, I'm oddly in a supporting role, and in film this is very interesting, I say nothing. Everything is a reaction. Huh. And in acting, you have this thing acting is reacting Uh, and it's quite lovely sometimes to just do acting that is not text focused but emotionally focused so they have a little series that they're doing with that Uh, and so I'll I'll have space for that and then I am writing I'll get back into that again as well I have a play that I have written uh, which is like a mixture between, like, uh, a Planet Money economics podcast and a Ooh. woman in the workplace. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like some of my favorite things. <laughs> um, and Yeah, so mm. the, that I, I've written, but I need a little time to sit mm. and do another workshop with it and refine it a bit. And then I have another one percolating, and I like I write notes uh, on plays and projects that I'm doing. Uh, so those are all percolating, but I, I felt like in my heart I should share, like, sometimes taking space mm. to just do other things outside of your endeavor in the mm. artistic field that will sometimes help you mm. uh as well as a creative and creator yeah.
0: I think I'm still looking for some language for this but it sometimes we uh I have this experience myself and I see it with other people we want to like go from here to direct to this thing like I want to fix this thing I want to deal with this thing I want to heal from this thing mm-hmm. but My experience, and I think witnessing that as a pastor for so long, that sometimes it's like all of this around, like kind of going around, uh, not around even, isn't it's you kind of head off. On another path, in a bit of another direction—one of delight, of interest, of play. Uh, yeah. Especially in Calgary in the summer, you know, like get outside. Yeah. Uh, ride your bike. You know. <laughs> you might think, oh, but I have this work to do. I have these plays to work on. I have this like inner work I want to do. But yeah. that we, we kind of have to like approach it slant a bit. Totally. This like, you can't always come at some of this like hard creative work or deep inner work. I mean, there is certainly a time to directly mm. like go to it, but my experience is like, Oh, the wisdom does find me the totally. creativity. She comes, you know, yeah. <laughs> but it will be in a moment of like, I'm just walking and daydreaming or yeah. I'm sorting out some laundry and hanging it on a rack. And then this, this insight, Mm. Arrives, uh. totally. Like (laughs)
1: uh, you're speaking my language. Like (laughs) going to the Cameron's words. She she uses mystery instead of mastery, and like that. And I love even the way you phrase it as well. Like that idea of like we do that other thing where the mystery is in the allure instead of just the mastery of the path of the goal, Um, because that that is life, and it's more complicated and. Are those other parts of you that you need to feed? or yeah. yeah.
0: well, even just that story of you, like looking to identify with a character that seems so different, and it was like you could like focus. I need to identify with this character that's so different from me, and ask yourself questions, and that work is important. Mm-hmm. But you needed to take this trip around the world, and there was this wisdom, like there yeah. it is, <laughs> <Like> a, <gong. laughs> totally, yeah, kind of calling your soul to attention. <sighs> this Here. is weird. <laughs> here, it is. here it is well thank you for being willing to talk about you know showing up in your own creative life to write to step into characters to give them life so that we can have perspective uh changing moments yeah love it thank, thank you. you thank you
1: my name is john and i help bobby make the episodes for between sundays In this episode, Christy relates a story of a performance not going according to plan, and it seems only appropriate then that this is the episode where we had a buzzing sound coming from both mics that our best audio wizards couldn't get rid of. We believe, fingers crossed, we found the source of the problem, so going forward, it shouldn't be an issue. Hopefully you were still able to enjoy it. Between Sundays is a production of Commons Church and the Commons Podcast Network. Bobby Sockold is the host, and Jonathan Petkow is the producer. Artwork by Angie Ishak. Special thanks to Christy DeSantos-Wing for coming to hang out with us. You can follow us on Instagram at btwsundays. Thanks.